Welcome to the Assemblée Dance Studio podcast, your go-to source for bite-sized lessons in growing and running your dance studio. I'm your host, Claire O'Shea, and I'm a dance studio owner and business coach, helping you grow your dance studio simply and successfully so you can reach more students, grow your business, and become the go-to dance studio in your area. Do you love the podcast content but are looking to get a bit more one-on-one strategy? If that is the case, I really encourage you to check out our monthly masterclasses. Each month, I dive into a specific topic that is going to help you and your dance studio reach the next level. So if you're interested in finding more about that, head to assemblydancestudiocoaching.com forward slash masterclass. Again, each month is a specific topic catered to you and your dance studio all about how to grow and create a bigger, more successful, just more streamlined dance studio. And if that's something you're interested in, you can buy a one-off masterclass. So if you can sort of pick and choose to what topics suit your interests, or alternatively, you can sign up for our membership to our masterclass, which is a discounted monthly price. So whatever you are interested in joining us for, you can check that out at assemblydancestudiocoaching.com forward slash masterclass. Now sit back, relax and enjoy the show. And don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss any of my episodes released weekly. Hey guys, it's Clara Shea here and welcome back to another episode of the Assemble Dance Studio Coaching Podcast. In today's episode, we are talking all about how to start, launch or essentially improve your performance or your competitive stream within your dance studio. So if this is something that you're considering or you've got going and you're wanting to figure out how to either grow it or create a really positive team culture within your studio, uh, this is definitely an episode that I would recommend listening to. We talk about the positives and negatives of having a competition stream within your business as well about as well as creating a positive team culture, effective parent communication, managing team uh, commitment and expectations and finding the right fit uh, teachers for your performance team. So if that's something that you are interested in or potentially been struggling with lately, I think today's episode is going to be a really, really good one. So let's jump straight into it. Joining me on the episode today, as usual, is the lovely Mariah. Hi. And we are here to talk all about starting, creating, launching, expanding, improving performance teams or competitive streams within a dance studio. Now, Mariah, from your experience, Mariah was a competitive dancer and also now um, is like the head of our cruise, um, a hip hop cruise at the studio. What would you say like some of the benefits of having those type of streams or groups within a dance studio? I think it helps with the more serious dancer, the one Mm. that really wants to start, maybe even start thinking about this as a potential career for them. I think it's a great avenue to go towards. I think friendships, like you just build a different bond with the people that are in your competition crew Mm. Um, than say just regular the rec classes situation. A bit more of like a time thing, hey? True. You spend yeah. way more time yeah. with them and you just get more connected with, with them mm. in that way. And just like resilience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think they, they're the three for me. Yes. Yes. I would agree. So a couple of the positive things that I've outlined um, that it can bring to a studio is other than what Maya said, skill development as well. So often participation and competitions can push dancers to improve their technique or their performance quality and overall dance skills. Uh, it can help in, like in uh, introduce or um, 
emphasize a goal orientated um, mm. environment. So competitions for some, and you can also do this in other ways, but they competitions provide a clear goal and sense of purpose for dancers, which often fosters a strong worth work ethic and dedication. Um, again, as dancers, it provides performance opportunities. So even though if you're in a recreational program or you just have a recreational studio, not just, but like if that's like the focus, of course you can provide performance opportunities that are not competitive. I guess it's just sort of reducing one avenue. Yeah. Um, but com- competitive streams offer dancers the chance to showcase their talent and passion on stage in just on a more regular basis. Like Mariah mentioned, there's team bonding. Um, And then in general, I think it's industry exposure. So competitions expose dancers to a broader dance community, like they can make friends from other studios or, you know, often um, competitions have guest judges or sometimes I know, um, I can't remember what do studios in America, they have conventions where that's like a combination of um, competitions and classes, which we don't really do here, which would be cool. That'd be good, yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's not true. I think... um, Sydney, what not? What's Australian Dance Festival has that? True, yes, that's right. That's one. Yeah, yeah. Um, So those are a couple of the positives. Some of the negatives, consider, or again, if you're already doing this and you love your competitive teams, it might be things that you need to think about to try and um, you know take on board or help um, avoid. There is an increased commitment. So um, a competitive stream requires additional time commitment from dancers and parents as well as teachers and you as a studio owner, including extra rehearsals, travel for competitions, potential, uh, which which has a potential impact on academics and other activities. But again, if these are things that you communicate well in advance, yeah. that's just something that people opt in to do. Um, there is financial consideration. So participating in competitions involves costs such as entry fees and costumes and travel and accommodation which can put a strain on dancers and their families financially. Again, if there's something you communicate, it's not your fault or your problem, but it's depending on the way that it's communicated, people can kind of get a sense of like, oh, dance is just so expensive. Mm. It's so expensive. Like, well, it is, but it's because you do 17 classes a week. Like, let's have a a think about that. Um, there is a bit of pressure and stress. So the competitive nature of competitions can create pressure and stress for dancers, potentially having some impact on them um, and their enjoyment of dance and potentially not. So it's just something to consider. There's the potential for burnout for teachers as well as students and maybe like too much of a good time or, you know, too much of it can kind of turn them away. But again, this is something to consider. Um, Lastly, the negative that I would just keep in mind is the potential for division. And this is what I often find is potentially the most, uh, the, the, the most common thing I see is introducing a competitive stream may create divisions within your studio. Mm. Um, because you naturally do that. Like you refer to them as a different group. Um, but some dancers may feel left out or less valued if they don't participate. And that's just something to consider. And like, you know, either, either that's what you, um, you don't want people to feel left out, but either you want them to strive to be a part of the team or you just really want to focus and put your energy onto like putting as much love into each department, um, as the performance team. Um, but those are a couple of positives and negatives. And then we're going to talk about some important considerations before you start. Or again, if you're noticing that it's not happening in a way or there's not a flow or you're having all these little niggly issues, um, often it can come back to creating a positive team culture uh, and also really setting up them in a way and communicating in a way that people understand your expectations, your yeah 
limits your like when you when you might be expected to get booted or like, yeah basically you know you need to have strong um rules around the way that you run it to, to ensure that it doesn't have an effect on the rest of the team so a positive team culture again this is happening within the classes this is happening with, with you as a studio owner uh, and then at competitions and all everything so it's just sort of around everything that you do but emphasizing teamwork support and collaboration within the performance team and there's like certain things that you can do to do that in regular class and then you know we do our best to have other events and um rehearsals and gala nights and stuff yeah would you what would you have to say about creating a positive team culture I think it's also training those performance team teachers that are doing that that that's what um your values as a studio is is to make sure it's a positive team environment in our competition teams I think just like sometimes we get them to do like goals as a team rather than like individual dances it's just sort of reminding them that this is a a team um team building yeah it's not it's not a it's not a solo if you want to do a solo do a solo exactly um and it's just sort of training them to think that way and you're a team and you do everything as a team and things like that so I think just um yeah influencing the support for one another Mm, I think Fantastic. Um, And then as a team as well, establishing clear expectations for behaviour, commitment and attitude. So even though we would have that as a studio, what do they expect of each other? I think that's really important. Mm. Like, And that can help you not having to pull kids up as much if they're pulling each other up. Again, in a kind way that whatever they've outlined for their positive team culture. Um, again, you can do this by implementing team building activities and exercises to foster camaraderie. And that's something that you can also work with your teaching team to include in the curriculum. And it might be like heavily focused at the start of the year and then before competitions. Yeah. And, you know, obviously there's a time and a place where you need to be just learning Doing and cleaning. Like, yeah. curry. Um, but, you know, there is always time for a fun little yeah, game. Um And then providing opportunities, this is just an idea, providing opportunities for peer mentorship and leadership development within the team. So again, there could be positive negatives to both like having, you know, maybe dance captains or maybe your senior team could be um, leaders or representatives for your juniors. There is, again, Mm. some things that, you know, sometimes promoting people to a position of leadership can hurt other people's feelings and then sometimes it works really, really well. And I also find if it's something that you start early on, uh, people are aware of it and then they, I don't know, they seem to respect it more. Maybe maybe it will be a bit of a shock or um, a change when, if, when it first happens, but it's something that um, in general I think can have a positive yeah. outcome. Yeah. Now that's sort of about creating that positive team culture because um, at the end of the day we are working with the kids or the teams the most. Yeah. But I think we all know, even though that's the case, we do get often a lot of feedback from parents if they are unhappy or um, if there's something that's, you know, they're not pleased with whether they're precious Susie, Susie, you know, got pulled up in class or whether they got reminded that they only can have X amount of absences and Susie was at a family dinner or whatever. Yeah. It, it it's it's tricky and you're never going to please everyone and particularly when you stand by your rules but yes. it's something to keep in mind so effective parent communication is all about establishing 
clear channels of communication with parents, including regular updates and potentially even a specific newsletter. Mm. That could be a good way to kind of keep. Especially during that competition period oh, where it gets so many. Yeah. yeah. So for us at our studio, we have a Facebook group. Yeah. Um, and then things are also emailed. So yeah. Nicola is in charge of that group and she'll share um, the competition guides, yeah. any updates to the timetable, like parking and blah, blah, blah all yeah. in this competition group. We have the group and then it's sent via email and like any correspondence is sort of done either in the comments threads or via email. We don't, um, well, we don't like have personal communication with the parents via like messenger or text that we have the studio phone that we take to competitions on the day uh, if needed. We are aware that a lot of the teams have their own group chats. Yeah. That is not something that we monitor or are a part of. I have mixed feelings about it. Again, it's really not up to me. Um, no. I'm not their boss. So yeah. that's fine if they want to yeah. do that as long as it stays yeah. positive. And as far as we know, it has been. It's yeah. more of a place to like organise lifts to competitions yeah. or ask what the hair is or, oh, my gosh, I'm running five minutes late or mm. has anyone found a lost shoe? Yeah. That sort of seems to me yeah. what it's about. I think in the um, guides too that Nicola does in in terms of just sort of going back to that positive team culture, at the end of every single guide um, that Nick does up, there's actually like a reminder about um, sportsmanship and what we expect at a competition in terms of like positive team culture and things like that. So um, it's just a little reminder for our, our students and our parents as well, just to know that we sort of expect to support all dance schools like attend as well as each other absolutely and again not that they're probably reading it every single time but even if they read it once or knowing that it's there it's probably just that little reminder that they need and again I don't think any of our parents would be like boo to any other studios anything like that (laughs) but it does give you like grounds if you need to kind of step in and take action yeah um and that's something to keep in mind um in going back to the effective parent communication, again, setting expectations for parent involvement involvement and support throughout the performance team journey. So, you know, do you expect them to be at every competition? Do you expect them to help with fundraising? Like what do you expect or not? Do you expect more of a laid back approach? Like as long as the kids are there, um, you know, you don't want them in the change room or you like whatever it is that you need from them. Um, it's just something that you need to kind of communicate, I think, as much as possible in advance because if people are aware of it before they sign up, they're less likely to be confronted or upset or annoyed by anything. Um, sharing information about schedules, competitions and costumes and financial co- equi- um, <laughs> equipment commitments <laughs> as early as possible. So, for instance, when we have our auditions for the next year, we have a performance team guide which outlines yeah. as much information as possible about the costs, the costumes, the entry fees, the dates, if we have them. And that is all shared with them and they have to sign a contract that says they've read it, they understood. Um, We even charge our students a deposit. Mm. So if they are like leave the team or they're away too much and we have to reposition the deposit, they, they lose their deposit. Yeah. Um, But it also, why we have that one, it's sort of like a financial, like, commitment yeah it's not very much but again it's just a small amount to show that they they they're in yeah um and it also helps alleviate cover any costs say for instance if someone's away on holidays so they're not at a competition and we have to hold an extra rehearsal they lose their deposit it just helps cover yeah some some little bits and bobs yeah um and then something to consider this is not something that we've done 
in a long, 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 long while, but it's definitely something I think is important to bring back again. I think it's sort of all sort of stopped during COVID and I just haven't mm. done it, but um, offering potentially at the, you know, at the start of the season or during the season, whenever you think um, parent meetings or a Q&A session to address concerns or queries or just generally answer questions. Maybe that will help you set your expectations before getting them to um, sign up for the year. Yeah. So that's something to consider. Yeah, maybe a really good idea for um, a studio that's just sort of starting a performance team um, to have like those in-person Q&A sessions, whereas sometimes uh, if you've done it for quite a while, the info pack, most of the parents have done it year to year and the info pack sort of does it. Um, it helps, but maybe starting out a Q&A session in person would be um, helpful for the parents to understand. So there's just a way though, like even though, yeah, we've had parents who've been on the team for, you know, five, six, seven a years. Reminder. It's just a reminder. Yeah. I'm like, oh, did you know we've changed this? Like I bet they probably mm. don't read the pack anymore because they think they know it all. True. So it, it could just be a, a way, another another touch point to be like, are we all on the same page? Yeah. I get feedback. Like sometimes if people aren't happy with something, it's better to know mm. early on and be able to go, oh, that's interesting. Okay. Like that's something we'll yeah. take on board or um, et cetera. So that's something to um, consider. Now we have a couple more points. So we're just going to, this next one is only going to be a little one. Um, it's all about managing team commitment and expectations. So although you have to, it's, it's tricky. We have sort of that two client split. Managing team and their other uh, commitments is really difficult. But again, being upfront and sharing that information as early as possible is the only way you can really kind of get on the front foot. So yeah. defining the level of commitment required for performance team members, including attendance, rehearsals and any additional training. So for us, we do have auditions and yeah. we do allocate students um, into teams, but we sort of, and we make it clear, we don't turn people away, mm. which I know other studios do. And again, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Mm. Um, that's just sort of like, it sort of feeds in with our um, value system. But there is like additional teams, like Mariah's crews have even more uh, expectations. Yeah. So aside from, you know, doing hip hop and doing this and doing that, like they have to have, X amount of skills and X amount of years of um, experience doing hip hop before they can. Yeah. Um, just because, again, I, I don't know, it's just the way we've done it. It was just like yeah. you can't just start hip hop that year and be in a crew. No. Yeah. That's Mostly. Like I think there's been one time we were like, oh, he's really good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like just these like random kids. Yeah. Um, but again, managing team commitments and expectations and balancing the expectations of competition participation, um, as well as their personal growth and like the other things that they have going on in their life. It's really hard. Um, often, you know, they're getting into senior years and stuff like that. We, we totally understand that it's all a juggling act, but starting to give, give them the opportunity to take responsibility for their own actions yeah. versus 16, 17, 18 year olds who still get their parents to message about everything. It just makes it yeah. um, tricky yeah. when again, they don't talk to you in person, but go back and go, and then mm. we get an email. We're like, why didn't they just ask when they yeah. were there? Yeah. Um, you can't tell them. She's fine. <laughs> Experience. <laughs> um, yeah. And again, setting guidelines for maintaining academic performance and balancing extracurricular activities. So some people will literally be like, you know, I know like universities and stuff say like you have to have like a B academic mm. level like that I'm not doing that. But that's not to say that that wouldn't be important part to you or even acknowledging to parents that, 
understanding that students need to balance those is important to you. It might just sort of make them feel really good. Um, and again, providing resources or trainings for uh, time management and balancing commitments. Yeah. And I think as part of um, what we do, they're, they're expected to do a jazz class. Is that right? Yep. At a minimum. At a minimum. I think it's jazz or ballet. ballet. And then we have said in the past, like, they need to be doing the style of the dance that they're in. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yes. So, so for the lyrical dance, they should be in the lyrical class. Yes. But yeah. I don't think that happens. I am a bit unsure. So yeah. we have a few ideas of, again, how to streamline this for next year. Yeah. Um, yeah, because I'm always adapting and changing and noticing. And as our studio grows, like, t- to be honest, we, we've we always had, like, a, a big sort of performance yeah. arm and, like, a really keen interest, but we've never sort of had um, – we never, we never put a lot of pressure on places mm. and we still don't. Yeah. But I guess the bigger we get, the wider range of interest from our students, the more capability we have of having these very sort of niche mm. um, interests. So, you know, the kids who really want to be more competitive, we can kind of – provide that yeah um now where we didn't always have uh the pool of students to choose from yeah if that makes sense yeah um i sort of lost my train of thought apologies but anyway yeah. we'll, we'll keep on charging yes now lastly um i want to just talk about finding the right teacher for performance teams because i think that mm. plays a huge factor mm. in one the success of the team two the success of the choreography and then three the overall attitude of the students and then as a result their parents would you agree yeah 100 percent. so and it, it's really it's a balancing act because as well sometimes you know a teacher is not working out and then you might be able to phase them out or move them to a different class and get someone in but often again that change causes a lot of yeah. issues and I've found the most success when there's been a teacher that has worked well and stayed with the team for a few years they seem to get the most yeah. out of them but then before maybe they've like grow out of a teacher in quote marks and it's time to shift up and whether that be, you know, someone who might be a bit more strict or might push them or might have yeah. a different um, attitude in terms of like a focus. So yeah. like, you know, they've been really working on performance or mm. um, flexibility and now they're going to be working on um, yeah, connections and strength and coming on and off the stage. I don't know. Yeah. Like, you know, <laughs> whatever it is. So um, finding the right teacher for performance teams is really tricky Uh, I think if again you're starting this I would encourage you to look in-house and see who Mm. has a potential particular interest or potential to kind of develop this I think it's potentially more of a risk getting someone in just performance teams yeah um but again you might not have another option it might might Mm. work out great so that's just something to consider um and think about yeah either providing the teacher with a curriculum or collaborating with them to have a curriculum and training program for that specific age group um, or team. Do you have anything else to add about the teacher? I don't think so. Maybe like uh, what what I would sort of look for is probably a teacher that has had that sort of same experience growing up. Like if they were in a competition team growing up, um, I think that sort of helps um, – just with I think they just sort of understand a little bit more um what's sort of expected and all of those things so um potentially looking at someone that's had that competition stream growing up um as well yeah I would agree and not that you need to have no like a hundred percent but it's like it's always interesting like for instance some of our teachers maybe don't have as much competition experience but they have they weren't to full-time and so they were like competitive maybe within the classroom or 
It all gives those, them an edge teachers, on Corey. Yeah, all those teachers that are at all the classes that are happening still like mm. around your area are really mm. keen to like um, personal develop their dancing as mm. well. Someone that's really, really keen on the dance mm. aspect. Yeah, 100% agree. Yeah. Um, but again, I think overall it can have a really amazing um, impact on yeah. your business as well as the commitment and the retention of students and, and, and the like profitability, um, yeah. those students are normally the most committed. So they're doing the most classes, they're spending the most money um, and ways as well that we kind of celebrate and acknowledge them is through, we have our performance team gala. So yeah. an annual event where we um, put on food and nibbles and drinks and get them, everyone to dress up. Yeah. Um, and we provide. And a sleepover. Oh, Don't yeah. forget the sleepover. No, but that's <laughs> at the end of the gala. Yeah. I, you know. I know. So we do an annual sleepover. It, it, it is the kids have a blast. Oh, it's the best time. All of us teachers who are there every year literally get maybe an hour and a half sleep. <laughs> it's just because they just they just talk. Yeah. And it's not Yeah, even, it's not that like they're, they're being, being naughty, like just, rowdy. They're uh, just like really keen to have a sleepover with everyone and it's mm. just all chatty, chatty, chatty. Yeah. Now I like when it, we first started doing that, I used to like be in the room and I used to just like yell at them to be quiet when now I put them in a separate room and shut the door yeah. and then I just park my bed because unfortunately in the studio um, we have our bathrooms outside. Yeah. If we didn't have the bathrooms outside, I think I would literally just sleep in front of the entry Yeah. and just put earplugs in. Yeah. Only wake me up if there's a fire. I know. That's literally what I'd say. I know, but we got to every toilet. Every got to make sure. Make sure. We've got to supervise in yeah. case they, I don't know, sleepwalk or something. <laughs> um, yeah. So things like that, again, that all leads into that positive team culture, um, which I think overall has a positive impact and, and, and encourages those people and to like share what their positive experience is. And then yeah. we showcase our performance team students at our media showcase yeah. and at and our concerts. concert as well. Um, so yeah, that's sort of a bit of an overview. We don't have the perfect system, no. but we have a good one yeah. um, that we're constantly tweaking and changing. And I think as we head into the next few years, we might be looking to even increase kind of the level of competition, not necessarily at competitions yeah um but kind of the expectations potentially the training uh what goes in behind the scenes yeah. to see if that's something that our customer base is Wants. wanting because yeah. they say they are but yeah. it's like mm, you yeah. never know yeah <laughs> anyway that is a bit of an overview uh, today on how to start or tweak or grow or launch or improve your performance teams, your competition streams within your dance studio. So if you have any questions for us, feel free to reach out. You can find us on Instagram and Facebook and by email uh, and we would love to hear from you. So be sure to let us know or leave us a five-star review. That would be amazing. So thank you so much for joining me today, Mariah. No worries. And thank you so much for listening. I look forward to speaking with you soon. Bye for now. Thank you for listening to the Assemble Dance Studio Coaching Podcast with your host, me, Claire O'Shea. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please share it on your stories on Instagram and tag the show or leave a rating and review. To catch all the latest from me, you can follow me on Instagram and Facebook at Assemble Dance Studio Coaching. Tune in next week for another episode all about helping you grow your dance studio simply and successfully so you can reach more students, grow your business and become the go-to dance studio in your area. See you then.